0: She
1: smells, she, like like she smells like rotting <laughs> meat. This is going to be a really good cold open, you guys. You don't understand. <laughs> what a journey, you guys. What a journey. <laughs>
0: Welcome to Lit in Love.
1: For those of you who are new, we are not in love. It's not that kind of thing. But we are lit and we are in love with lit and the love that exists within lit. If we've lost you, that's okay. Let me bring you back. I'm Mariah. And I'm Haley. And we are here to talk to you about couples in literature. Woo hoo hoo!
0: Yeah. So today we're disgusting, disgusting. <laughs>
1: I mean, there's some disgusting topics.
0: There's definitely disgusting things. This is a Halloween-themed episode, and we are discussing Warm Bodies by Isaac Marion and Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. And to help us with the latter, we have my husband, Marshall, on the pod. Say hi. What's up, up,
1: Marshall? Hello. What's up, Marshall?
2: I don't know what to say. I didn't script this part.
1: (laughs) Okay, Marshall. Conversation. You're doing great, sweetie.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> and uh, he was also in our English classes with us at university. He also has a useless degree in English literature, so this should be fun. Yes.
2: That's why I am a barista at, at Pete's now. I almost said You're Starbucks. Almost that almost said
1: Starbucks.
2: <laughs> that was many years ago. Many
1: moons. You've leveled up.
2: I have leveled up. I can do latte art now.
1: I almost texted you the other day when I had a drink at Pete's that I didn't like, and I was like, "Marshall doesn't care."
2: <laughs> well, which one? Which one is it? I might care.
1: I tried the like pumpkin chai, and it was just like sugar, and I threw it away.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> so I'm not really a big fan of our pumpkin syrup because it's like classic pumpkin pie. It's not like pumpkin spice. Not a fan. I was so uh, to not to involved. disparage Pete's at all. My wonderful employer who whom I love,
1: definitely listens to the pod.: Yeah,
2: definitely listens to the pod <laughs> <laughs> <Keep> <laughs> for, my, <laughs> for my one feature <laughs> the,
1: the whole the whole owner of Pete yes. listens the all whole of, of yes all of him he listens or her. I don't know.
2: I actually don't know who the CEO is right now. that's fine. I,
1: I have no
2: idea. All right, so since we have a lot to get through,
0: I thought I would just hop in and pop around and beep bop through the plot. So... <laughs> bop? Okay. I said beep bop through the plot. Okay.
1: I heard bop around. Okay, ooh, I like that. Beep bop to the top, beep bop through the plot.
0: You know what? <laughs> uh <laughs> I forgot. We do <laughs> we do characters first, don't we? We
1: do. Well, it actually doesn't matter. We do what we want.
0: Yeah, I think we've done it both ways. But I think characters would make more sense. So Marshall's gonna do characters really quick. Okay, cool, cool,
2: cool. Alright, so once again, I'm Marshall. I'm here for today. And,
1: and only today. <laughs> today
2: I will be telling you about the characters in frankenstein let's get this started you know him you love him he's the main steez the man behind the monster the original mad scientist the inventor of the reverse Cavorkian, coming in clutch with the assisted return to life the resurrector of mismatched corpses the og father of flesh golems he's the poster child for buyer's remorse just an absolute human disaster he's victor mf frankenstein md but for real Victor is studying at Ingolstadt when he discovers the secret the secret of life, which Mary Shelley politely declines to share with us plebes. He goes a little crazy and obsessively pursues the reconstruction of a sewn pile of corpses, which, if you think about it, is basically a human rat king thus begins a series of just really bad days because he super regrets resurrecting the monster and he just runs from it. It kills his brother, so that messes him up. Then it kills his wife, Elizabeth, and that sucks. And it's probably smarter than him, so he feels worse. And ultimately, he takes a voyage to the North Pole, wastes away, and dies. The monster shows up and is like weirdly sad about Victor's death and he's like, well, I'm just going to go die now. And Robert Walton tells his sister all about it. Robert Walton is the narrator of the novel. He tells the story in a series of letters to his sister, Margaret Seville, or Se- Seville? Is it like French? Seville, the barber. Seville, 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 yeah. He's also the captain of the ship headed to the North Pole that Frankenstein embarks on toward the end of the novel. Up next, we have The Monster. The Monster is this eight-foot-tall amalgam of dead people. He's super smart, he's super ugly, he's sad all the time, and he is super salty. If he had lived like 180 years later, he might have ended up in a band like Korn, Slipknot, Tool, one of those guys. He's a vindictive murderer and he has major daddy issues, but hey, who doesn't? and I think anyone would be brooding and mean if they weren't given a name like he's just the monster he doesn't have a name he's kind of like Curly's wife you know Like that's the only way that he's like Curly's wife
1: I understood that Marshall you're killing
2: me this is a literature podcast after all
1: oh poor buddy he's a bad boy with no name no name monster
2: no name monster his dad didn't love him enough to name him
1: I mean, and everybody thinks his name is
2: Frankenstein. Yeah, and just being called Frankenstein's monster, that's got to give you some self-esteem issues. Like, I wouldn't like that. Yeah. Okay, up next is Alphonse Frankenstein. Uh, Alphonse Frankenstein is Victor's dad. He's kind of, uh, no, not kind of supportive. I'm misreading my own typing. He's kind and supportive, and he doesn't really deserve how messed up his life is. He did kind of raise a butt like Victor's a little crazy but that could have just been like genetics we don't know uh but he ends up dying from grief because like everyone he loves dies so then he dies it happens uh then we've got henry clerval uh who is victor's best friend he's also super smart decides to pursue science because you know they're they're aristocrats and they could actually afford education yeah, he's cheerful and he serves as kind of a foil, a personality foil to Victor's constant melancholy. Uh, the monster murders him. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and spoil all the people that die by the monster. Of course. Not going to ruin the plot, but.
1: Oh, oh! we don't care about spoilers. We don't care about spoilers. We, If you haven't read it yet, it's, it's your fault.
2: That's good. Yeah, your fault. It's been out for almost, like, no, no, 200 years now. It's been out 200 years. Read it. <laughs> all right after henry there's elizabeth lavenza uh she's kind of victor's adopted uh sister um the frankenstein's adopter uh and uh she's really passive kind of just waits around for the men to do their thing which personally i find that pretty disappointing uh coming from the daughter of the mary wollstonecraft but (laughs) i'm just i'm just being picky i guess uh Elizabeth and Victor get married, uh, but on their wedding night, the monster tragically murders her as he vaguely promised to Victor.
1: Ah, The worst.
2: In the Frankenstein family, we've got William Frankenstein. He was Victor's little brother. He's cute, sweet, and everybody loves him, but he's doomed. Uh, He is the first murder victim of the monster. And Mary Shelley really, really drove in the point that nobody is safe. Uh, She, she wrote off a kid and she wrote him off first. (laughs) So be warned. Nobody's safe. There's, there's a lot of child death in this uh, novel. I mean, there's, there's two instances, which is a lot.
1: Well, she was trying to scare everybody. So she's like, we'll put in the kids.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so then we've got just, I guess child death was also more common back then. Not to throw shade, but like they didn't have medicine.
1: They're like, Oh yeah. The boy <laughs> dead. We'll have another one.
2: As John Mulaney would say, marry the boy. <laughs> The boy. Marry the boy. (laughs) And, uh, okay, yeah, so Justine Moritz, uh, she was the other adopted child in the Frankenstein family, and she was blamed for William's murder. Uh, She was tragically, horrifically executed. And, like, personally, if I were Elizabeth and I was being adopted into a family with a turnover rate, I'd be a little nervous.
1: I don't remember (laughs) that at all. That's terrible.
2: (laughs) I didn't either. Like, I had to be reminded by the character list, but... (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. Okay, then there's Beaufort. Uh, He doesn't really matter. He's just like logistics. He's a friend of Alphonse Frankenstein. And his only point is kind of that he has a daughter, Caroline, Mm -hmm. who marries Alphonse. Mm -hmm. But then she dies from scarlet fever that she gets from Elizabeth.
1: Yep, of course. And
2: uh, we're on M. Waldman is a professor of chemistry who sparks Victor's interest in science. Uh, this one is straight from Sparknotes, just in case we get, like, a cease and desist. The next couple are straight from <laughs> Sparknotes. Uh, the professor of chemistry who sparks Victor's interest in science, he dismisses the alchemist's conclusions as unfounded, but sympathizes with Victor's interest in a science that can explain the big questions, such as the origin of life. And then there's Kremp the professor of natural philosophy in Ingolstadt, which is the old name for science for those of you who may not know that. Uh, He dismisses Victor's study of the alchemist as wasted time and encourages him to begin his studies anew. And lastly, we've got Mr. Kerwin. His only role in the novel is to accuse Victor of Henry Clerval's murder.
1: What's a magistrate? Isn't like a judge or like a police officer? I think he's like a justice.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's yeah. about right. Oh man. He has authority. Yeah. And that's that's my spiel. Thanks for listening. I'm
1: so proud of you. Baby's first podcast. <laughs> she said she's so proud
0: of you. <laughs> Baby's first podcast. Okay, so I'm going to try to go through the plot quickly. Um I also threw in a little bit of history because I really like gothic and romantic novels and this happens to be both of those things. So um, I just find the context of them to be fun. Okay, so the original title of Frankenstein was Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. Um, it's, a, it's an epistolary novel, meaning it's a novel written through letters. Um, another example of this was Dracula, which we covered in last year's Halloween episode. Yeah. Uh, the book was written by Mary Shelley between 1816 and 1818 from when she was 18 until she published it anonymously at the age of 20. So Shelley traveled through Europe in 1814, um, and she traveled along the Rhine, Rhine River in uh, Germany with a stop in Gernsheim, which was 11 miles away from Frankenstein Castle. And in that castle, two centuries before, an alchemist engaged in experiments. So that's not a coincidence. And then later she went to Geneva, Switzerland, where a lot of the story takes place. So, something that was popular in her circle of friends was the topic of galvanism, which is the contraction of muscles stimulated by electric current, and the occult, which... What? <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, and the occult. Marshall just, like, suddenly took oh, one of the
2: minute, headphones and it was You're weird. Not, I want to like, be a part of the conversation. You can't
1: hear? A people can't um,
2: hear? No. Oh, you didn't find another pair of. No, headphones. we're trading headphones.
1: It's too hard. Oh. No, <laughs> I was like, "Kaylee's so quiet." Oh. oh,
0: okay. I know. I tried to chime in every once in a while. Okay, so galvanism and the uh, galvanism and the occult, which the uh, term, the the uh, term, the the term occult sciences was used in the sixteenth century to refer. refer <laughs> I can't do this. Okay. To refer to astrology, alchemy, and natural magic. So uh, we know kind of what the occult was, but I like to have the definition. So those ideas interested her. Um, and her close circle of friends was her lover and future husband, Percy Shelley.
2: Percy Bish yeah, Shelley. The Bish. Percy Bish Shelley. You can't not say his middle name.
0: Um, and uh, Lord Lord Byron. Um, so I think on de- Dead Author Pod, didn't on Dead Author Pod, um, Percy and Lord Byron, like, wrestled naked or something? Oh, my
1: gosh, yeah. Am I right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and on Drunk, uh, drunk History yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: good. I love Paul F. Tompkins.
0: I love him. Yeah, okay. So, so yeah, in the famous uh, weekend or however long it was, um they had a competition to write the best horror story she won because she wrote this masterpiece um she thought about it for days she jumped about a scientist who created life and was horrified by what he had made that is a direct quote from wikipedia um so on the cover page there is also a quote from paradise lost by milton okay so i'm gonna launch into plot now because that took way too long so in a series of letters robert Walton, a captain of a ship bound for the North Pole, recounts to his sister back in England the progress of his dangerous mission. So it's successful early on, but then there's a bunch of impassable ice. So then um, Walton encounters Victor. He's been traveling by dog-drawn sledge across the ice, and he's like close to death. So then Walton helps him out, nurses him back to health, and then he tells him the story of Frankenstein so i think there's another name for that too where it's like a story within Ooh, a story uh,
1: um, a, a framework framework
0: yeah so um first victor talks about his childhood who really cares yeah so this is uh copied straight from spark notes as well just so you know <laughs> um disclaimer yeah disclaimer so victor starts studying philosophy and chemistry and then he suddenly is like overcome. He wants to discover the secret of life um, and studies it for years and years. And then like, is like, Oh yeah, I totally got it. So then he has this knowledge and then he spends months putting together this creature out of discarded deceased body parts. Um, and I think he's described as gray once he assembles him. Um, so in one night he brings his creation to life Um Apparently, he lives in an apartment, so that's the kind of thing you can expect from apartment living. Um, When he looks at the monstrosity that he's created, he's horrified. So, he basically just goes to (laughs) sleep, and then the monster is in his bedroom, just, like, standing over him. Then he runs away.
1: Sorry, but that's, like, when you write, like, a terrible essay, and you're like, I'm going to not read that until tomorrow. (laughs) That's a future
0: Frankenstein problem. Yeah, that's tomorrow's problem. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's it kind of reminds me, Frankenstein looming over him in his sleep kind of reminds me of like <laughs> stories from parents about waking up and their children are just standing at the foot of their bed. Exactly the same energy. Just watching them, afraid to speak up.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Some people regret having kids, <laughs> and I think Victor can relate. Um, so... He wanders the streets um, in remorse and mourning, I guess. Just, like, real upset. He's having one of those High School Musical 2 moments where he's running across the golf course. So then Victor runs into Henry, um, his bud, who's come to study at his university. He takes his friend back to his apartment. And then Victor gets sick. So... He's probably sick because of what he's done. He decides he's going to go home to his family. So, just before he leaves, he receives a letter from his dad telling him that um, William, his youngest brother, has been murdered. So, Victor. Oh, that was really loud. <laughs> so, um, Victor. Victor hurries home. Um, he passes through the woods where William was strangled and he catches sight of the monster. So, then he can. Begin- Becomes convinced that the monster is his brother's murderer. Interesting that it's not like explicitly like, yes, that's what happened. So then he gets to Geneva. He finds out that Justine, who is the girl that was adopted into his household, has also been accused. She's tried, condemned, and executed, despite the fact that she maintains her innocence. Victor... um, Just becomes overwhelmed knowing that he created the monster that killed two people, basically. So, he takes a vacation. This is how he deals with his problems. He avoids them. He goes to sleep. He goes on vacation. (laughs) While he's alone, he's crossing an enormous glacier. The monster approaches him. So, the monster confesses to William's murder, but asks for understanding. I mean, you created him. You should be understanding. Um, He says that he only struck out at William because he wanted to hurt his creator, Victor. Um, Basically, like, you made me. I'm cursed. I never asked to be created. And so I killed someone you
2: love. The original. I didn't choose to be born.
0: (laughs) Please love me. Yeah. And that's basically what that Paradise Lost quote is, Um, which was, I can read it now. Did I request thee maker from any clay to mold me man did I solicit thee from darkness to promote me like okay, exactly so that's that that's
2: the original actually
0: <laughs> yeah that's the He's original
2: the OG emo boy
0: Yeah Milton was and the then original
1: movie teen
0: and then Shelley knew what she was doing when she quoted that Oh okay. yeah so then um Frankenstein's monster is basically like hey since you made me this horrible sociopath and I'm super alone and sad, could you at least give me a woman to suffer with me? And at first Victor is like, nah, that's horrifying. Um, but then apparently <laughs> apparently the monster is pretty convincing and Victor is like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'll make another I'll one of it. you. It went, it went well the first time. So <laughs> after he returns – so after he returns to Geneva, he heads to England, um, accompanied by his buddy Henry. Starts studying, trying to figure out how to make a female monster because apparently it's different than a male monster. I don't, I don't know.
2: Yeah, you got the different humors. It's all scientific and
0: different bile's probably. Yeah. Oh yeah, got to throw some hysteria in there.
2: Natural philosophy.
0: Some uh, vagina dentata.
2: I, you know, I was just thinking of that.
0: The vagina tentata. (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Why were you just thinking of that?
1: Because you were thinking of
2: it. (laughs) Just thinking of like a patchwork woman as kind of like, it's like female body horror.
0: Yeah. You know, I did, I did, uh, you know, stuff on that in college. Not that I could quote any of it. Anyway, he leaves Henry in Scotland. He secludes himself on a desolate island um, and works at repeating his first quote. Success, unquote. So one night, when he's thinking about like the morality of his actions, the tortured (sighs) creation, um, he looks out the window to see that, uh, hey, here he is again looking at me through the window with a big old scary smile. So, um,
2: he was probably smiling normally, but he's like horrifying, so it just looks creepy.
1: I know, and Frankenstein's insane, so he's
2: just like. Oh, I'm happy. And then Victor Frankenstein sees that and he is like, I can't allow this.
0: Cursed being. But also, I think he's like supposed to be a sociopath because he just like killed because he was sad. So that's not normal. True. Um, So then Victor tears apart his new creation, meaning his boo. So the monster gets upset, and uh, he says that he's going to take revenge on him, and he will be with Victor on Victor's wedding night. Ew. So then later that night, Victor takes a boat onto a lake, dumps the remains of Frankenstein's Frankenstein's monster's wife, I guess. Dumps that in the water. (sighs) Then he gets stuck out there. So in the morning, he's near an unknown town. He's arrested. Being told that he's going to be tried for murder, he denies any knowledge of the murder. But then he's shown the body, and he's shocked. It's his friend, Henry. And, of course, there's a big old hand mark around his neck. So then... Victor gets ill again because that's what he's best at. Um, so then he returns to Geneva again. He marries Elizabeth. Um, he's scared because the monster told him he would be with him on his wedding night. So he sends Elizabeth away to wait for him. While he waits for the monster, he hears her scream and realizes he's always planned to kill the bride and not him because he wants him to suffer in the same way. No.
1: The
2: monster
0: knows.
2: Victor is really. Victor really embodies the frail, sickly, pasty British boy.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he really does. That's, yeah, that's his emma. Um, also,
1: one <laughs> thing I want to say that I just love that upon landing, he is arrested immediately because he's an outsider. Because everyone else in the town is like, we don't know that guy. He's the murderer. Like, logic was crazy back then. Right. Like, this girl, we think she killed the boy. She's dead now. Everything's so cool. Yeah, they're
2: just like the first body the the first person they can associate with a body. They're just like, yeah, you did it.
0: Well, there was no DNA.
1: Let's get rid of you now.
0: There was no fingerprinting even. <laughs> they didn't even have fingerprinting. They well, that was all guesswork.
1: It was uh it was all on hunches. Back to Jack yeah.
0: Laney. Look at all this blood. Gross. Clean it up.
1: I'm <laughs> back to my hunch.
0: yeah so um, Victor chases down the monster and if they're on ice again um, so he almost catches up with him but then the ice breaks and then they have a gap between them and it's a very theatrical kind of scene so so dramatic I can picture it I've never seen a Frankenstein movie actually
2: Um, I've only seen the really crappy ones I don't Yeah. Well, okay. No, there's one that's golden that I've seen. That's young Frankenstein because Gene Wilder was a treasure.
0: I think I saw it a long time
1: ago. I was just going to say that. I love that movie.
2: It's such, (laughs) such good movie. Uh, Amazing.
1: What did he say his name? Frankenstein?
2: Yeah, I think it was Stein. It's Frankenstein, maybe.
1: It's Frankenstein.
2: Frankenstein, I think.
1: Yes. Yes, I think that's it. And everybody, and what's her name? Frau blew her, and then the horse would neigh every single time?
2: Yeah. Oh, so good. (laughs) And lightning would strike, yeah. (laughs) Okay,
0: so Walton tells the remainder of the story. Um, Victor, who was already ill when they had met, um, got worse and then died. So then Walton returns to the room in which the body lies. And then he's startled to see the monster weeping over Victor. So then the monster tells Walton of his sadness, his loneliness, how he hates himself, how he hates being created, whatever. Um, And he says now that Victor has died, he too can die um, and end the suffering that he's endured for his entire being so then he just walks off into the icy tundra to die, um, and that's it. I mean, it kind of leaves you on a cliffhanger. There could have been a sequel. So dramatic. I love
2: it. He could he could have lived. We don't know. We don't even know that he's mortal. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Galvanization. He might be the abominable snowman now.
0: Yeah.
2: Crossover
0: between this and Monsters Inc. <laughs>
1: I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to a podcast with Matthew Gray Goobler on it. He's mm-hmm. the guy from Criminal Minds, and he is legitimately afraid of the abominable snowman. Like that's his fear. That's hilarious, and I love it so much.
0: Well, the one on the Disneyland ride is pretty scary.
2: Yeah,
1: and he was saying that that was one of the reasons. He was like the Matterhorn. It was terrifying because yeah, it like swipes yeah, at like, you. Am I safe? Nope.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, this is kind of tangential. What? But, uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Um, kind of tangential, but I feel like what the monster really needed was to just crank some simple plan. <laughs> he was just born in the wrong time period.
1: I just... Uh, <laughs> like,
2: he just needed the jam to some early 2000s emo rock.
1: Because, you know, like in the... Uh, the in all the movies, he's got like bolts in his head.
2: Yeah, yeah, and there's always that association just of his electricity.
1: Rocking out time, just kidding.
2: and I don't think that that doesn't really come up in the well, book. They does use it?
1: electricity to like what is that galvanization or whatever they were talking about, or galvanism by electric current. So there was electricity involved.
2: Okay, yes, you did talk about that. It's only been like four years since I read the book.
1: <laughs> I just remember reading it and being like, he learned to speak without anybody actually teaching him he just listened like didn't he like creep in someone's house for like a year
2: yeah yeah the the peasants oh i think i forgot to introduce them but there were this there was this family of peasants uh de lacy uh oh gosh i need to look at their names Uh, i don't remember their names right now i'll look it up in a moment but yeah there was this family of three peasants and the dad was blind and then it was like his two kids and the monster just, like, watches them through the walls of their house so cool. and just observes their behavior and listens to them speak and learns the language.
1: He's like, ah, how, how to human.
2: Yeah, it was, yeah, got, like, a crash course in society, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um, so the couples for this, would they be, like, Victor and Elizabeth? So that would be, like, Visbeth Elizabeth. Elator. Yeah.
0: Um can we just say no to Victor plus anyone because he's a train wreck of a human?
2: Yeah, I think that.
1: He's destructive. Just like his baby. And emotionally unavailable. Just
2: like his baby.
1: <laughs> yes, both of them deserved each other. If only they could have just given each other hugs, it would have been fine.
2: Yeah. Uh I I feel like pretty much any relationship in this in this book is uh is a sink. For sure, it's like yeah. there's.
1: Well, I mean, what if it's in Frankenstein's dad and his mom? They loved each other, right?
2: Well, it's like, well, yeah, but she dies. It's sad. Uh, yeah. So, um, they worked. He was he was yeah. nice, but yeah, all his family I mean, died. He did let so his daughter
1: get like executed. So, but that's more of him as a person. To be fair,
2: she was only adopted. Marshall. <laughs> He says with five foster siblings.
0: Yeah. Behind him. Yeah, you can't see that. <laughs> you don't say that.
1: Sorry. Um, oh, uh, but yeah, because they're like the relationships aren't really well fleshed out, I would say, from what I remember. Maybe like Elizabeth and Frank or Victor did like love each other when they were children, which was weird because they were siblings. Yeah. But,
0: it's uh, It's truly like a horror book in that yeah. it focuses more on like the horror than yeah. any other development I've noticed like we were watching Insidious the other night and it was like this is I guess a horror movie, but like the lines from when like the beginning of the movie where everything is great and they're just like being a family were so weird and forced like <laughs> at one point at one point she um is like trying to give the kids breakfast and like make their lunches and stuff and then the husband like runs off and then she's like what are you doing where are you going or are you gonna be here tonight and he's like oh pta meeting sorry And it's like if it's a pta meeting she would know about it because she's also a parent yeah what and then it was just like we just believed him
1: um i i hate when like in movies it's like I made you breakfast. I gotta go. Sorry. And they just like run out, and I'm like, "What? Your parents made you a full breakfast. I would be late for school. It's
0: like French toast and waffles and pancakes and fruit.
1: Yeah. It's like they love you and need to talk to you.
2: I feel like it's so rare in a horror movie to have like exposition that isn't shoddily yeah. done. Like it's it's so common that it's bad. Like uh, we watched The Conjuring. Oh, like a couple months ago, and we constantly quote this one line from their daughter when she's talking about their mom who's possessed, and she just like yells, She smells like rotting meat. (laughs) She smells like rotting meat. And I said it that way because that is how she said it. (laughs) And it's we constantly reference it.
0: It's It's like the kids all talking over each other and like telling their dad that – wait, what? (laughs) It's
1: like, shut up, Jenny. That's your mother.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, anyway, the point of that was I feel like she doesn't do as much – as much exposition because that humanizes people too much and then it becomes more of like a tragedy than a horror. Oh,
1: yeah. Like because there's so much yeah. death.
2: You should, you should be horrified by the – yeah, you should be horrified by the child death and not like saddened by it because that's not – Yeah, it's form. not Marley and me. Yeah. No.
1: Oh, gosh. I haven't even seen that full movie.
2: Or her apparently. Oh, yeah,
0: her made Marshall
2: cry a lot. Like, I sobbed uncontrollably.
1: I
0: watched it. Oh, it's so I good. Watch
1: it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she smells like Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> Can
2: we just like put that sound bite in here?
1: That should be the, no, that should be the cold open. We should all say it. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? No, no, one, time. two. Three. So it'll be be like one, two,
2: three. And then everybody says it at a different time. Okay. Okay. Wait, are we actually doing this? I'm so confused. I'm
0: gonna kill you.
2: (laughs) This isn't my (laughs) fault. (laughs) I hate you.
0: Please. (laughs) Wait. Okay. You go. One. One. Two. Three. She smells she like rotting like meat. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a really
1: good call over, you guys. You don't understand. <laughs> that and then our music starts playing. Okay, well. <laughs> this is what we do. Oh, dude,
0: I forgot about the music.
1: We planned the episode as we're uh, recording it, Marshall. This is how.
2: Oh, yes, that makes yeah. sense.
1: Um, For our personalities? <laughs> or... <laughs> No, no, in general.
2: No, I I mean, I've observed that happening a couple times, so.
0: I'm so wildly uncomfortable.
2: This is awful. We need a better setup.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, All right. So You should just start.
2: (laughs) We are currently an amalgam of human meat.
0: Ew,
1: what? What? Don't say that. (laughs) What? This
2: is so uncomfortable.
1: When you read amalgam, I was like, (laughs) Amalgamation? Is that the whole... Oh, amalgam. That's a word, but I definitely thought you were going to say amalgamation. (laughs) It threw me off. Anyways.
0: right, (laughs) Do your section. Do your segment. Do your thing.
1: Okay. So, I have a personal affinity to this book. It's called Warm Bodies by Isaac Marion, and it is the first book, the first thing that I ordered off of my Amazon account in 2013 when I graduated from high school. And... (laughs) uh, (laughs) So, and when I was uh, in, like, how old was that? 18 years old? Loved it. Loved this book. Thought it was great. Immediately watched the movie that came out that year. Loved it. Reread? Not as good. So, I, (laughs) I, like, it's not as well written as I remember it being. Most definitely. No, like, shade to you, Isaac Marion. You wrote a book. You published it. It was made into a movie. That's amazing. Conceptually, some of the things don't make sense.
2: Yeah, uh, disclaimer, I only saw the movie, I only recently found out that it was a book. Ah, I see. Uh, So I might have some strange conceptions of what's actually, uh, what actually happens.
1: It's not that much different, there's only like a couple, I feel like, key differences. But uh, we'll start with the characters, so obviously this is a zombie movie, and the main character, his name is R, he's a zombie boy, Uh, he starts the book as a zombie and then transition and in, transitions into maybe not a zombie. We're not really sure. There might've been a sequel to this, but then it never happened. So when I read the book in 2013, I pictured uh, like one of the main characters from my favorite movie, fired up. Uh, but you guys will know him as Hunter from the office. <laughs> Basically, he looks like in my mind, that's exactly what he looks like because R in the book He's wearing a tie and like business wear and just like shuffling around the airport. And then he has like a zombie wife and some zombie children. He has a best friend named M. He isn't really like rotted and everybody keeps saying that he's attractive. Even one of the people said he was hot, like a human was like, oh, he's actually hot. What is this? It's really weird uh he lives in an abandoned airplane at the airport where a bunch of him and him and a bunch of zombies live uh he collects things from hunting trips to the city uh he has like a record collection so he's like a pretty cool zombie all in all uh and then julie is the girl that he falls in love with she's a human it's a weird relationship uh she's like beautiful troubled girl with daddy issues as marshall said earlier everybody's got those daddy issues she's just another person that does is she
0: played by brie larson
1: she is not she's played by Teresa palmer
2: i think i think you think that because in the 21 jump street well yeah and dave franco is also in warm bodies Uh, the movie
1: yeah Uh, we'll get there we'll get to perry mention that um and oh no, she- so okay, what was it? So basically, it was saying that Julie is like this beautiful, troubled girl with like daddy issues. She's trying to survive the end of the world, the sad excuse for a civilization that's available. And she's what's it just dis- Lila? What's different about her is that she's interested in more than just survival, and she like wishes the rest of the world would think like that too. She misses art and music, and poetry, and all of the beautiful things, because that's kind of been, like, weeded out by, like, learning how to shoot guns, and build things, and so, because there's not just zombies, the end of the world has happened, like, some sort of, on a global scale, political civilization, everything has fallen, so she's trying to bring it back, but everybody's not really on board, and she kind of brings hope to R, and helps initiate change, she's uh, down for pretty much anything including kissing zombies so
2: weird <laughs> you're kissing rotting flesh that eats rotting flesh it's it's bad yeah And like when do you think the last time he brushed his teeth was
1: it's so gross because because everybody's like he doesn't even he doesn't even smell he doesn't look like he's rotting i'm like but he's still he's still eating people He still has. Gross. Uh, Perry, my favorite character. He's a sad boy. And he, of course, in the movie is played by Dave Franco, who is my favorite. And so that's why he's my favorite, probably. And because he's a sad boy. I love the sad boys. And so we don't really ever, like, meet Perry in person because R kills him almost immediately. And we only know him through his memories, which are obtained by R eating pieces of his brain. And Mm. it's really weird. (laughs) And then in, like, halfway through the book, R, like, keeps having memories of Perry's, even though there's no more brain to be eaten. And then Perry starts talking, like, directly to R in his consciousness. And it's really weird, and it makes no sense.
2: I I feel like in the movie, it was just, like, flashbacks where he saw perry's memories
1: it's so weird i don't think it was it might have been in the movie but in the book it's really weird because it's like perry and are having conversations in his brain
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: and so that's like a big part of it in the beginning and that's pretty much why he falls like, like that's the beginning of why he falls in love with julie because perry loved julie so he kind of just adopted that which is also weird but yeah in the halfway through the book it's like perry's talking to r directly the sad thing about perry is that he was like worn down by life like his mom died and his dad died and he like wanted to be hopeful about the world but he just couldn't anymore so he just decided to like lock and barrel get down to like shooting things like he just kind of let it go and uh, in uh, ours like brain perry wanted the world to be better so it was like weird and sad rest in peace perry
0: So basically, he was like carrying on his legacy, both by saving the world and also by sleeping with his girlfriend.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was like uh, he was an extension.
2: And abandoning his zombie family.
0: Yeah, he did not have a family in the movie.
1: He, yeah, it's so weird. We'll get to it, okay? And then um, M is uh, R's best friend. And I remember him was my favorite. He was my Rod Cadre, mm-hmm. and he, he says bitches in a zombie voice and it's the best. <laughs> and okay, give me a second. I wrote down a quote that was one of my favorites. One second. So in the middle of the book, zombies start like remembering things because they don't have any specific memories of who they were. That's why they're called R and M. They don't remember their names, but then they start remembering things. And M is like, had dream last night, real dream memories remembered when young summer cream of wheat a girl <laughs> i just really enjoy that for some reason i don't know why but i think it's just the cream of wheat detail that gets me. <laughs> <laughs> of wheat. a girl yeah it's beautiful it's poetry um but he is like this big dude, like I just imagine him in the book also as a big dude. And he kind of like, he thinks R is crazy first off, but he's like, I'll roll with it. We'll roll with you. We'll do it. And they help change the world. Okay. So, um, and then Nora is Julie's best friend. Uh, she also loves art. They talk about like collecting like beautiful pieces of art, putting it in Julie's house. Um, and she's also of course sad about the state of their sad civilization, Uh, she definitely is a ride or die friend, even putting herself like in danger to help R and Julie's weird zombie love, which she almost immediately accepts. She's a good friend. Uh, there's not a lot of detail about her either. (laughs) She's like a little flirty, but that's pretty much it. And she wants to help. So she's a good friend. Good job. And then General, I didn't ever remember how to say his name, last name, General Grigio, Grigio. Don't know. So it's Julie's dad. He's kind of an asshole. Mm, I feel like we're not supposed to curse. I forgot. He's a mean person.
0: (laughs) We've broken that a few times.
1: (laughs) I know. I was like, I don't remember. He's a
2: sphincter. Yeah. You can cut that. Please.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That wasn't that. Yeah. (laughs)
2: It wasn't worth saying.
1: Um, I was waiting for like a sphincter. I was waiting for it to be like something to be added to it. He's a sphincter. I don't really know what could have been added. A sphincter man.
0: Oh. <laughs> what else, what would you add to that? Yeah, there's nothing to add.
1: I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, General Grigio is kind of like I'm trying to think of a comparison. Like basically, he's every dad who like. Doesn't understand your dreams, I guess. And he doesn't want to understand them.
0: No, dad, they're your dreams.
2: Lots of emo boys today.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so he, like, is locked into fight or flight for forever now. Like, he can't pull himself out of it. So he's always thinking about survival and... It ultimately ends up killing him in the end. He tried to kill Julie because R kissed her or because they kissed. And he's like, she's infected now. We got to get rid of her. He almost shot both of them. Like, it, it's terrible. his own daughter.
0: That's so terrible.
1: Yeah. And like, I um, and then his wife, I think it. the problem was his what broke him is what his wife died. And then it was really sad. So. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And also, fun fact John Malkovich played him in the movie, you guys. What?
0: what? That's such a waste of talent. <laughs>
1: oh, gosh. It makes no sense. Uh, and then the last character, who's like, these are all the main characters. Everybody else is kind of just like, meh. Uh, General Rosso is like a second father slash grandfather to Julie. I think he's a little bit older than her dad. Uh, he's one of like the generals, of course, because the whole world is like military now and he's one of the right-hand men of her dad who's like the leader of their civilization but he's like open to change he's a little bit more like positive and he helps save julie and r like when her dad goes to kill her he like stabs him in the ankle and distracts him and then he falls and then he dies eaten by uh, zombies and oh i forgot this guy lastly let's have a round of applause for ted who was a guard at the stadium where they live and he totally let a zombie inside the stadium. Yay, Ted. Because the zombie played living. Like good job, Ted. Good job. If that was an evil zombie, you all guys would be dead. Woo! <laughs> okay. So, the plot of the movie plot of the book. They're very similar. There's just some weird differences in the book. And so the beginning of the book starts out with R at the airport describing what it's like to be a zombie. Like you're empty. The only thing you really feel is like hunger. Nobody remembers their names or like their pasts. And they're all just kind of wandering aimlessly around the airport. He rides the escalator over and over again. Like that's what he does. And there's like two types of zombies. The regular looking zombies who are just like deteriorating humans. And then they call the other ones the bonies, which are literally just creepy skeletons with black soulless eyes. So Pirates
0: of the Caribbean types? Yeah.
1: And the Bonies are, like, the leaders of the zombies. They have, like, a zombie school to teach children zombie how to, like, attack humans. They marry uh, zombies, and they, like, find husband and wives and children for zombies. It's just a really weird civilization that has popped up.
2: So, like, like in the books, the zombies actually have their own society. It's not just kind of like how it's represented in the movie, where, like, yeah, he has a friend, but... That's the extent of it.
1: So, yeah, they have, like, this weird society that basically is to, like, further making sure that the zombies get enough to eat, basically. That's their main goal. It's it's very weird. Did you see Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies? No. Yeah,
0: we have. Oh, we did. It was not memorable. I
2: liked no, it was, it was, like, in the same vein as Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer.
0: I liked that one better, though. I liked
1: that one, but I liked Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. But the zombies, like, they're smart. Like, it's kind of similar to that. But they're not as sophisticated as those zombies. These guys are kind of... They still can't really talk. They get caught on words.
0: Yeah, like, they have a a functioning society, but it's not, like, that developed, and they're not waging war.
1: Yeah, no. Um, But... And so, basically, the Bonies, like, present R and this, like, other zombie girl, and they're like, you're married now, and they bring them a couple kids. It's really weird
0: i kind of hate that what's the point of that
1: it makes no sense like i don't i don't understand like why put it in the book anyways um are like they go on like a hunting trip a bunch of them get together and they go in a huddle to go like to the city because they're in an airport so they go to the nearest city to go hunt humans and while all in that attack he obviously like he kills perry who's julie's boyfriend and steals his brain for later puts it in his pockets and but then he sees like he eats a little bit of it and he sees like Julie. And so he saves her. He, like, he already likes Julie. Saves her, brings her back with him to the airport in a huge huddle. like He just smears some blood on her, brings her back. They hang out. She's freaked out. By like it. in The Walking Dead. Yeah. Like he I haven't seen it but I assume that it's the same.
0: (laughs) You're trusting me.
1: I do. I trust you. And she eats like frozen pad Thai from the mall and they hang out in his airplane. She's like, why are you different? What's happening? He can't really talk to her. So they like kind of talk. And then all the rest of the zombies are like, what's happening? Like, why do you have this live person? Why are we eating her? And she wants to go home. Obviously. (laughs) And um, he doesn't tell her that he's the one who, like, killed her boyfriend. But all the while, he's, like, eating pieces of her brain. Pieces of his brain, sorry. Eating pieces of Perry's brain, like, learning Oh, gosh.
2: (laughs)
0: Harvesting parts of her brain while she's alive.
1: I wonder. No, it would be okay. So, like, it comes to, like, a standoff point where the bonies are, like, we need to eat this girl. Like, there's no spoken words, but it's all, like, said through stairs really need to eat this the, girl. Yeah, she can't exist in the same space as us she either has to be dead or we need to eat her like there's no and while they've been hanging out in the airplane learning about each other's feelings all that stuff she's also been teaching uh our how to drive because i found this nice car at the airport and he's a terrible driver but she teaches him how to drive
2: His reflexes would be terrible. That's what I was just—I was just thinking that. Like, there's no way you can trust somebody who's partially dead to drive a car.
1: Because his foot will just stay on the gas, and he'll just hit things. That's
0: why when you hit a certain age, you shouldn't be driving.
1: Exactly, it's terrifying.
2: So let's talk about what that age should be.
1: Well, it's different for everybody, though.
0: (laughs) Whenever you're halfway
1: dead.
2: I'm just—I'm kidding. I'm not
1: (laughs) halfway dead important what aren't we all well we don't know if we're halfway dead or not anybody could be halfway dead at this point yikes (laughs) yikes that's the lesson of this episode (laughs) (laughs) um and so they like make a getaway because it comes to like a confrontation the bonies are like we can't have this and he's like i don't care and so they leave in the car and they just drive it starts raining they stop at a house They sleep. They're, like, weirdly falling in love. And she, like, tells him, like, she lets him sleep in the bed with her. She's like, you don't have to sleep on the floor. You can sleep here. And I'm like, this is weird. You've known him for, like, four days. Maybe five.
0: There is no way.
2: Yeah. Like, what's the point of cuddling with a zombie? You're not going to get their, like, body heat. Yeah. Because they don't have it.
1: It's Yeah. It's weird. And this is the point where he, like, it's weird because he's like having different like brain things happening because he described zombie sleep as you basically just shut down. Like there's never any dreaming. It's when your brain is like so exhausted or whatever brain they have as a zombie. But then he starts like actually sleeping and having dreams and this is when it like he dreams of like Perry and Julie and their friend Nora like talking about what they want to be when they grow up. And it's very heartfelt. It's beautiful. And then they wake up the next day and Julie's like, hey, can you get some gas? Go find some gas somewhere. And then when he comes back, Julie has left. She took the car. She went back to the stadium where they live. And R is like sad, but he's like, all right, I guess I'll go back to the airport. So he goes back to the airport. He's sad. M is like, can't go back to the airport. Or I think M meets them, meets him like somewhere on the way back. And he's like, we can't go back to the airport. The bonies are like driving everybody off who's like different. And it's at that point when M is like, I was having dreams. So like things are changing. The zombies are like, their brains are doing weird things. They're becoming more alive. It's very exciting. And so M is like, we have to change we have to like keep this change going and R is like well I want to find Julie because I love her and Emma's like all right cool we'll help you save her so they all head towards the stadium thing where Julie lives and I think that it's basically a huge sports arena that they built off of and they made the civilization there and it's pretty sad Like I said, it's all military. It's like very post-apocalyptic. And so R and the rest of the zombies all go over there. R gets in because he pretends to be alive and running from zombies and Ted lets him in. He immediately finds Julie. No one notices that he's a zombie. It's amazing. Julie lives in this beautiful house because her dad is like the leader of this whole society. She lives in a great house. Julie actually loves R. She's like doing this like tape diary as he like comes up. And she's like, I actually miss him. I actually really liked him. What's happening? And then R's like, Hey, I'm here. Perfect timing.
0: Oh, like overheard her saying that? Yeah,
1: yeah. He like overhears. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And uh, Nora, her friend, is there. And so she's like, Hey, Nora, this is my zombie boyfriend. Nora's like, oh my gosh, she's cute. Great. (laughs) Really, she's very supportive. Too supportive. And they were like, you can pass as a human. Yeah, too supportive.
0: You can catch diseases from this boy.
1: Probably Like real ones. We're not talking about the other ones. Not that they're not real. Oh, God. No,
0: there there (laughs) are real things that necrophiles mm, mm, come down mm, with and die from. Because of their know, activities. It's real.
1: No. No. Um, and they were like, You look great. We could pass you off as a human. So they like he like takes a shower, they like wash his clothes, they put like makeup on him. They're like, All right, we're showing you the city. So they show him the city, they hang out. That's all it took. Literally, her dad was like gone for a couple of days. And um they like walk around, they hang out. And then I don't remember, like, he ends up doing something, like, he ends up being outside alone for some reason, like, a couple days later, and a guard, like, sees him, and the guard's like, you're a zombie. He recognizes. And so R, like, panics and eats him.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) Worse, he was like, I don't know what to do. So he just eats him. He just kills him, eats him. And somehow, like, the general, like, finds out, General Gregorio finds out that this is happening, and julie and r like escape there's like an escape plan they have to get out of the stadium because her dad is like going to kill r which i mean he did kill somebody it was a bat. he's killed many people but of course we care about him because he's a protagonist so they escape out of the stadium meet up again with m and the rest of the zombies and the zombies that are changing and they're like amassing in numbers but the bonies are also after them so the bonies have followed the other zombies near to the stadium, and they come up with this plan to lead the bonies to the stadium completely. So the guards, like all of their army can just take down the bonies and then they're going to try and like reestablish civilization after that happens.
0: So what separates the bonies from the other zombies that are capable of change? Is it just because they've rotted away that much that they're that far from being human? Because it's not like the other zombies who look like people are actually like people because they don't remember their past lives at all and they're not like living normal lives.
1: I think that it's the, the bones are too far gone.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like uh, like what you said earlier applies here, that it's kind of just a little bit of a nonsense concept. Uh, there's no real reasoning to it, I feel. It just is that way.
1: Yeah. but um, And then so while that plan is, like, happening, Julie and are like, they're all somewhere in, so it's inside the stadium, and they, like, kiss. It's, like, the first kiss. Her dad walks in like right at that moment. Like I was saying, he freaks out, tries to kill both of them because he's like, she's infected. They're both zombies. We have to kill them. And while that's happening, the general, general Rosso is like, you can't, that's her, your daughter, like she's not infected. She's fine. I don't even think that that guy's infected. He looks fine. And the dad doesn't care. So the general Rosso just like stabs him in the ankle and he falls and he's like falling over the side of the stadium and bonies just come up and take him kill him so like it's sad because it's her dad and now she doesn't have any parents but also like he also he wasn't willing to change He was too far gone like the bonies
0: oh parallels foils
1: what perfect um, and then so after that, basically, they like defeat most of the bonies, like the humans have like the right artillery to do that. And then they start like reintegration process of figuring out how to like help the zombies become more human, because they're saying like what they're basically saying is like love changes zombies.
2: Yeah, I I remember that from the movie. And honestly, yeah. that's where it lost me. <laughs> um
1: because they describe it as like a curse and they're like we can beat this curse with love
2: yeah it it's like how in harry potter uh harry's mom protects him with her love magic
1: i believe that more
2: that one was better yeah i I, i'm not no shade at harry potter
1: we have to do harry potter i want to do the fourth one because it's got so many couples in it
2: we just tried watching the Goblet of Fire the other, other night, but our our DVD is too scratched and it made us real sad. Oh,
1: that makes me sad. That one's my favorite.
2: Of course, like none of the Harry Potter movies are available to stream except for like $4 on Amazon Prime.
1: Of course. That's where they get you, y'all. That's where they get you. Um, okay. And so basically, like I said, so there it's like he's like, love will help change the zombies be like. Being more alive, pretending to be more alive makes you more alive. And so we're not really sure if that means that they're going to eventually become regular humans again or if they're just always going to be zombies. Like, I don't really understand. There's no really explanation. And then also, R ate that one guy because he was, like, freaked out. But before that, he hadn't eaten a human in, like, weeks so it's, like, he didn't need to eat because he was being with humans and, like, in love. So there's a lot that's not explained.
0: And he's apparently capable of killing someone just because he's panicking. That's kind of concerning.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, the guard probably had a gun and was going to kill him as well. But couldn't you have knocked him out?
0: Yeah, it wasn't necessary to eat
1: probably him. Like a so... And basically, they were, like, reintegrating the zombies at the end, and Nora was helping, and General Rosso was helping. So it was a big, happy family. R still didn't remember his name. And he's like, do you want to... She was like, do you want to pick a name? He's like, nope, my name is R. It's great. And that's the end.
0: Wow. Yeah. Is he named R for any particular reason, and is M named M for any particular reason? I
1: don't... I don't think so.
2: I mean, it's... Isn't he like the Romeo in this story? Is uh, that's I my guess. assumption? Was just that oh, he's R Romeo and
1: Julie. Terrible, terrible. I just I just realized that. Um, <laughs> I think they were trying to. I don't even remember if it was at the beginning of the book where they're like, "We think that might have been the first initial of my name, but we don't know." Yeah, and so that's what like the main thing that bugs me about this book is the way that their memory works, because. Like, he doesn't remember his name. He doesn't remember his personal history. But then he'll make like references to like high school, like Shakespeare in a high school class. And that, it, it, it doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah. That always bothers me in any like memory loss plot line when they like recall like pop culture or just like something that they shouldn't remember. It, yeah, it, it irks me.
0: Well, he shouldn't even really know the concept of a high school class.
1: Exactly. Like, school and, like, marriage. Like, it's really weird that, like, some of the concepts made it, but nothing of their personal history did. Like, it's just very selective. Okay. And some notes. Some notes before we get to the couples. Uh, it's really weird because the zombies, like I said, they get married. And they also, like, attempt to have sex. And it's a really awkward uh, thing to read. Yeah.
0: Ew. I don't want to think about I don't that.
1: like it. And then, like, I already talked about the concept of memory loss, but also my favorite line from the movie, and I had forgotten that it was from the movie in the book until I reread it, but she's, like, because R can't really, like, talk at the beginning, so he's, like, does a lot of motioning, and he keeps shrugging, and it makes her mad, and she's, like, stop shrugging, you shrugger. And I don't know why, but that's one of my favorites. I've, like, I've said that in my life and not remembered where it came from. (laughs) I was, like, ah, there, it came from that. Came from two thousand
0: thirteen. <laughs> Iconic.
1: Great stuff. But yeah, so those are just some notes. And then um ooh, favorite quote. Let's see. Oh, this is for Perry. I was supposed to read this for Perry, but bear with me. I'm young, I am a teenage boy aflame with health, strong and virile and pounding with energy. But I get older. Every second ages me. My cells spread themselves thinner, stiffening, cooling, darkening. I'm fifteen. But each death around me adds a decade. Each atrocity. Each tragedy. Each moment of sadness. Soon I will be ancient. I am 15. I just thought that that was so ridiculous and great. He's a sad boy. He really is. He really is. He's 15.
0: It's so angsty.
1: It's sad though. He like decides... He decides at a young age that he's ready to die. And I can't imagine.
2: Yeah, I'm just thinking of the song, I'm Just a Kid and Life is a Nightmare.
1: <laughs> That's the second time you've brought up Simple Plan I'm in this going episode. to keep
2: bringing up Simple Simple Plan in this episode.
1: I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare. I'm just a kid and I know that it's not fair.
2: Nobody cares if you're alone in this world.
1: Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. Couples? Couples. I, okay, you got to help me. The couple names for Julie, the couple name for Julie and R, like I don't really know what to. Jer, Ruly. Ooh, I like Ruli. Julier. Ruli. Rooly. Rulier.
2: Um, I kind of like Jur. Julier. Personally. Jer. Jer.
1: It's, it's good. Jer, Jer, Julie, or Julier. Um, I don't really know how I feel about them because. Yes, they're the couple that, like, started this revolution of making the world a better place and, like, helping the zombies become more alive. But I don't really know if he's in love with her or if he has just transferred Perry's love.
2: Yeah, he's just, like, a vessel for somebody else's brain at this point. It's
1: It's weird. It's weird. It's weird because they've, like, melded together. So I'm not really sure if I sink it. I guess they can be in a small boat.
2: We'll just let them chance their uh, like take their chances.
1: Yeah, in a lifeboat. And then Julie and Perry. Jerry.
0: (laughs) Obviously. Pooley.
1: (laughs) Jerry or Pooley. And I I ship them, but also I feel like they're on a small boat as well because Perry was so sad at the end of his life and Julie was like, she was like, I couldn't really take it anymore. So it's really sad that he's dead, but I don't think I could have broken up with him because he was such a sad person. But she was like brought down by his sadness. So I don't think they were the right people for each other either. It's probably
2: how Mary Shelley felt about Percy Bysshe Shelley, TBH.
1: <laughs> probably. Julie and Mary are full of life and vibrant. Um, R and his zombie wife, I definitely sink them. They were together for like two days before she found another zombie to like love. Because he was obsessed with a human So he cheated
2: first Is it cheating though? I mean they're zombies
0: They had like an arranged marriage But they're still
1: married
2: But till death do you part you know
1: It was so weird I can't get over it Isaac Marion why did you do this Until life do you part (laughs) Yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) We waited too long to laugh at that (laughs)
1: did I, I was like oh okay I guess it's, uh, we just we fun. don't want to overlap
0: with you talking because then that's when the echoing happens
1: yes and then that's pretty much all the couples uh M is definitely gonna be a great catch for whoever uh, finds him he's great cream of wheat guy agreed yes
0: <laughs> you pause at moments when I don't have anything to say <laughs>
1: it's like, I know. Um, But yeah. So like mainly the book, like the main takeaway is like love is a powerful force. Yeah. And you should always have hope for the future. Like those are the main two things that he's trying to like wrap up in this zombie novel. Mm -hmm. And I think that's cool. So yeah, good stuff, but definitely, like I said, not as good as I remember it being at all and I haven't rewatched the movie and I kind of don't want to now.
2: Yeah, um I'm getting like oh dang I forgot the reference I was about to make. Give me a sec. <laughs> it's not simple plan this time. I want it to be. We can move on it's gone.
1: Oh okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of another angsty emo band. Who else? Oh my gosh. So I was looking up like pictures and a picture of R because Nicholas Holt plays him and if you look up Warm Bodies, there's a picture of him and he looks like the guy from The Cure, like the one album where his hair is crazy.
2: I'm not familiar. You know, I know he I know they look different, but when I think of the cure, I picture Russell Brand. I think it's the hair.
1: <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. If you just search on your computer, just search warm bodies, and the first like video that pops up, it's just like uh, The still is of R And it looks like that The Cure album Just as a thing for you listeners at home If you would like to do that But yeah So happy Halloween Ooh, It's early spooky. It's early But happy Halloween from our Halloween episode It's crazy that we put out that Last one a year ago
0: Yeah We're slow going here People gotta be with us for the long haul. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's fine. We're doing great. Yeah. Is there anything, <laughs> is there anything like we, I feel like the thing that we did in the last, like, little small podcast. We were like, what's your favorite thing right now? Let's do that real quick and then we can finish it up.
0: What have you been digging lately? Books, podcasts. Vi-
1: I don't know if you guys have heard this podcast. It's called The Dollop and it's like a history book. Yes, I have. Okay, so Kyle told me about it, and I've only listened to like two episodes. Uh, But like, it's like a a history podcast and two comedians do it. And I just listened to America's First Ghost. It was so long, but it was amazing.
0: (laughs) That one is where the one guy reads a history story to the other guy, and then they like do little bits and stuff. And the guy that's hearing the story knows like nothing about history.
1: It's so good. And they do voices for the ghost. Her name is like Nelly. Nellie. Uh, it's so amazing.
2: Yeah, so I guess something that I've been vibing on lately <laughs> is <laughs> um, uh, I've been watching a lot of Visco Girl videos on TikTok. <laughs> no, I haven't.
1: <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Okay, what have you been vibing with, Marshall? Did you actually have something? I think you do.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: He, he kept muting and unmuting you because he didn't know when you would stop talking. That's what <laughs> he was just doing right now. Mute,
1: Not un- you,
2: you. Mute, muting unmute. our mic.
0: Well, yeah, muting us because you were talking. Yeah, 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 yes. <laughs> Because he doesn't. Well, it's so frustrating. This is the worst thing ever. I'm so annoyed.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how Don't it's wrong. saying. If it's terrible, we will re record. It's fine.
2: All right, so I've been uh, I've been getting into this campaign that we're just starting uh, with my Dungeons and Dragons group. Uh, I just uh, created a fun character. He's a uh, a kobold bard, and kobolds are these little lizard people. Um, they're really tiny. My guy's two foot ten. Yes. When see some people when they play fantasy characters like to be giants and such to feel tall. I like to feel short. Yeah i like to escape my tall frame.
0: <laughs> my tall prison.
2: Into the tiny body of a lizard man named Gratch. Anywho, he's kind of angsty. It's fun. And uh, I've been getting into the story. I don't really have much more to say about it. I drew him, but it's it's a bad drawing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if we had a Patreon, that's where you'd put that. Just know. Be honored.
2: We could sell prints of Gratch and... <laughs>
1: Prince.
2: My grandma might buy it.
1: Do you have $2? Do you want this picture of this character that I made up? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I keep trying to start talking, but then I just start laughing again. Okay. I had nothing to add to that anyway.
1: <laughs> Haley, what do you love?
2: Um,
0: I'm excited. I'm just excited for Halloween. So we don't have any plans yet, but I think that our costume is going to be Janet and Michael from The Good Place.
1: Oh, so good. Yeah.
0: So, And I feel like I kind of want to be bad Janet because she's more fun, but um, I'd have to buy a wig. So I might do that. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But um, yeah, excited. I love, I love dressing up. And uh, what else? I just bought a whole bunch of makeup today. That was exciting. There you go. And then we're having family over soon. You know.
1: Yay. I'm going to a Halloween party this month. My uncle is having a costume party. I have to find a costume. I think I'm going to try and be Kuzco.
2: (gasps) Yes.
1: So I just have to find the right red tunic. And then everything else I can just figure out. Are you going to be Llama Cusco? No, I'm going to be Cusco uh, when he's dancing in his uh, castle. Ah man. Llama Cusco would be too much work.
2: I mean, not not that you need our permission, but you have our full unwavering support. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much. I'll take that. It'll help me in my uh, search for this perfect red
2: tunic. The The catch is that you have to try to sound like David Spade the entire time you're in the costume. <laughs> So why don't you <laughs> grace our audience with your best David Spade impersonation?
1: What does David Spade even sound like? Now I'm like, okay, oh. boy, I can't. His voice is squeaky.
2: Sharp rocks at the bottom. Definitely. We, we can pretend <laughs> that that was spot on.
1: That's Perfect. Terrible. I could be Kronk. Kronk is way easier. Cusco's poison. The poison for Cusco. I
2: was about to say that. It's okay.
1: Well,
0: you have an, advan- have an advantage because you're a man. <laughs> How vantage. Sometimes words don't come out right. I'm, I've lost all brain power because of the effort of recording tonight.
1: It's all right. It's all right. We're ready to wrap up. I'm really proud of this ending that we wrote together. It's real good. Uh, Thanks for listening, Uh, and uh, if you would like to get in touch with us, uh, don't let your brain be eaten by a moody zombie and have said zombie experience all your memories and then fall in love with us.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Don't piece a man together out of spare parts only to create a murderous sociopath. There are easier ways to get in touch with us.
2: We have an Instagram at Lit and, love pod and a Facebook page, lit and love Podcast. You can email us at lit and love Pod at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or suggestions. Other than that, we can also accept photos of your cute pets. That's all.
0: Catch us in your ears next time. See you on the flippity flip.
1: Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.